What's going on, folks? Welcome in for a brand new episode of the Titan Up Talk. I am Trey Wynn, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Chase Green, and for this episode, we have a very special guest. Blake Shoemaker is going to join us, give us some thoughts on everything happening with the Tennessee Titans. We'll give our reactions, but first, let me tell you about some friends of ours. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, ultra-refreshing, light beer born in Big Sky Country. The best part is, when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all Tennessee sales, and they're going directly back to local causes. That is freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get you some snacks. And folks, in case you're in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, be sure to make plans and join us this Sunday for our Chattanooga Titans fans watch party as the Titans take on the Ravens. This week's event is sponsored and brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. We'll be doing giveaway. They've sent swag, beer, and much, much more. So make sure and check out chattensports.com where you can find all the details that you need to know to be there. But guys, I've got Chase Green and Blake Shoemaker here ready to go. Fellas, Obviously, a really disappointing loss in a really embarrassing fashion. How are you guys feeling? Doing wonderful, my friend. Doing wonderful. Uh, well, I shouldn't say wonderful. My car battery just died a few minutes ago, so I was in a hustle back to the house to record. But we made it, boys. We made it. <laughs> Doing well over here, too. I'm going to apologize to everybody up front and say I'm not Sarah Spain, but they've always told me I've had a face for radio, so here we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> here we are, folks. All right, hey, I'm just going to jump straight into this thing. Titans are... As we were saying, and as many folks have said across all types of social media platforms, the Titans are in a tight spot. And right now, obviously, looking down the barrel of the toughest gauntlet of our schedule for the 2020 season, matching up right now, I'm looking at the the upcoming matchup against the Ravens and the predictor, which we'll get to later, is not looking good for the Tennessee Titans. But guys... Let's ask the question right now, and we'll throw our ideas out. We'll do our research right here in the pod. So for all those listening, in case you hear us clicking or typing or anything like that, we want to find the facts and make sure that we are all on the same page going into this upcoming weekend because terrible loss to the Colts. It's been a rough couple weeks, really since that Steelers loss where Goskowski, you know, obviously went wide right. But, guys, let me get your thoughts. How do you feel each individual person will go around? How do you feel about this team right now? Um, I feel I'm not quite to the full fraud aspect of it, you know, cause like the record may look better than the team actually is. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot. I've heard that comment made multiple times of this is the most fraudulent team in the NFL do the record, but I'm not too far from it because mm-hmm. how good is that bears win? Not very good. We're barely mm-hmm. beating bad teams. We escaped the Texans in overtime, barely beat the Jags, barely beat the Broncos. I understand that's week one, but still, I don't know, man. This team, it's got a long ways to go before I feel confident in it. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do to get back to to having positivity and get a good outlook. I think that uh, hopefully this defense comes back around when Adore gets back and everybody gets situated, but it's not looking great, buddy, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mr. Blake, what are you thinking, buddy? I'm with you, Chase. Um, I think that a lot of us were blinded, and we had that early success, running it out to 5-0, and and all was well in Titans fandom. And then all of a sudden, we started to slip just a little bit. And as a Titans fan, you can't help but flash back to all those times in the past where we had an opportunity to step up and, and show that we were legitimate, 
and mm-hmm. we fell short. And how many times has that happened against the Indianapolis Colts? It's always the yardstick game. So we start 5-0. and You have a couple of stumbles. And then, you know, didn't feel terrible after the Steelers' loss. Very good quality team. Played them close. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at a team that started 5-0. and And now suddenly we're 1-3 and in the last four games. Against teams with a winning record, we're 1-2. and And like Chase said, we're barely surviving against teams like Jacksonville, Denver, Minneapolis, Houston. And now you're staring down the barrel of Baltimore and Indianapolis on the road. So starting 5-0, and you're very realistically, unless somebody makes some big changes and steps up, you're looking at a 6-5 and record after a 5-0 and start with five of the last seven on the road. I mean, it is... It is tough, no matter how you cut it, and I'm not in full-blown panic mode yet, but we've seen enough out of this team in all three phases to really have me worried going into this next stretch of the schedule. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I think you guys are spot on. Obviously, the glory of the win, you know, obviously overcomes all all issues, you know, all whatever you want to write it up as. I'm just looking for a reason right now. Like like you said, Chase, it's going to be a, a good long while before I really have enough confidence to say okay especially again the next three last weekend was the beginning but the Ravens Colts and then obviously now the Browns we're kind of seeing the Browns emerge as this team that's even without Odell Beckham Jr it's just like Baker's kind of turning it on at the right time obviously in that division um, with the Steelers and the Ravens obviously it's 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 getting crowded but Mm -hmm. another team that we have to worry about on on our schedule um, even the Jaguars, I know the Jaguars are really bad, but they're to be able to hang with the, the Packers, obviously their punting game and, and they, ha- they had some things fall their way at times, but you just never know with them. Uh, and then finishing up the last, I guess, second to last week with the Packers. I'm, I'm concerned for the sake of obviously the division looking back hindsight is 2020, but I think a lot of folks were saying last week, like this, this is it. This is the game. And I and I I hate being a fan. <laughs> and Chase and I were talking about it before we were recording. Of of the Vols are in such a, a bad place right now, and it just has the same type of feeling today. Obviously, a lot of news coming down with you know the move of Ryan Allen. We'll react to that in a little bit, but just so many different things coming down and the injuries. Everyone's beckoning for a DC, you know, and blaming Vrabel for being, you know. The, the issue, I'm, I'm, I'm happily one of those people that have said that I've written at chat10sports.com, which everybody can go read. That's my opinion. But I just think this team scraped, you know, is butter scraped across too much bread. So that's that's where I'm at. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I know the Ravens have kind of had a, a rough couple weeks and, and they're looking for a, a win as well. Again, in a crowded AFC North. But it's just to me, it's like I don't know what what all has to fall in the right place for the Titans to be be able to be competitive to beat a team like the Ravens. Yeah, because you look at this team, I, I don't think the Ravens are as good as they are they were last year. But it's a, it's a decent matchup for the Titans again. But... I don't think this Titans defense is obviously not as good as they were last year either. So it kind of gives you a worry. And like you said, man, obviously we saw what the Colts did to us last week. Browns are good. They're, I mean, these teams, there's a lot of run game we're about to hit in a three-week span. Uh, these teams can really lay it on the ground, and I think the Ravens are pretty pissed after last week too. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, I mean, granted, it's Bill Belichick in terrible weather. So – 
that's a tough game to win. Lamar didn't play bad, but he's not what he once was. And there's been a lot of chatter. And I mean, I, he's a young dude, so he's definitely online. He's hearing all this stuff. So this is a big week for him to bounce back. And I hate these games because we're not playing great. Titans are struggling, obviously, on defense again. And Lamar's got something to prove. So it's one of those, here comes a big stat game, potentially. But it mm-hmm. also could be a bounce back game for Tennessee, which is heavily needed because they've been getting trashed this week, too. So... Hopefully, I mean, this is one of those cases we everybody listens to. I mean, they all listen to this stuff in some way. Everybody gets tagged or something along those lines. But this is this is a big week for both these teams. They've got a lot to prove, and uh, especially for the Titans, man, they got to make some headway. They want to get in the playoffs. Yeah, let, let, let me ask you guys this I, before we get into a full, you know, Ravens not not preview. I know what you're saying, Chase. It's a big week, but my thought with the with the Colts game is that loss like we just kind of laid out all these teams that the titans have squeaked by bad teams and then obviously that that bills game i don't know if we just <laughs> had all of our juju in, in the right place or what took yep. place but that's where again i think chase said it really well i feeling like this team is a fraud because i'm not there either but god it feels that way where it's like look man i bought this seat with this amount of money and yada yada and i <laughs> i did not get what i paid for you know uh, and especially like we all came into this season kind of scoffing at the idea of the Colts getting the favorite and, and being that team. Um, I, but I, I, I want to look back at the Colts game in particular, just being so close. And a lot of it feels like the recency bias of, of just the I mean, in all three phases, it was bad because yeah. the offense. I mean, here, here's what I think. And I think that's kind of the same for, for the Ravens is that defenses have learned how to stop this Art Smith offense. It's it's a common thing, you know offenses have to adjust but obviously we're we're kind of learning that ryan Tannehill doesn't have the same abilities um when this team's not clicking on offense as he does when it is obviously that running that running game is a huge help but i just want to put it all out there what was like what was in y'all's perspective and, and opinion the most disappointing part of sunday i will say that it's really easy to, to put it all on the defense. Obviously, I think the defense is the biggest problem, the well-publicized problems on special teams. But look at what this offense did in the second half. I mean, going into halftime, you know, you, you, you've got a competitive ball game, and you just feel like we've historically been a second-half team over these past couple of years. And you just felt like the offense was going to come out after halftime. So just going back to the first drive of the game, Titans come out, they go down the field, mixing it up, pass and run have the Colts on their left foot the whole way down the field. Tannehill has 54 yards passing on the first drive. First Mm -hmm. drive alone, and we think everything's going to be fine. Tannehill comes out in the second half, and in the entire second half throws for 53. The entire second half. And it's like, what what is going on? Is it him not having confidence in the offensive line? Is there something else going on? But you look at Tannehill's performance over the last three games. If you look at total quarterback rating – his last three games, he's averaged a 45.8 over the last three games. And just to put it in perspective, against the Steelers, his rating was 75.3. So there's defense, there's special teams, but there's also those stumbles on offense, and you just wonder, what's it going to take to wake this team up at this point? It just feels like there's no communication, there's no identity. And uh, that's what has me worried more than anything right now. 
See, I, I want to respond to that too because even on the you know, the operational side, John Robinson, the scouting staff, they can't just go out. Obviously, you know, even the trade deadlines already happened, but they can't just go out and find somebody off the street because you only have really the Jonathan Josephs of of the, the world at whatever position they might be available. You know, it, 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 we're not going to be able to just all of a sudden, you know, overcome this issue with talent. Um, it, that's why, to me, my the most the most sensible and logical outcome of this whole situation is that the coaching staff is the bottom line issue. Yes, there are problems of drop balls that we've seen. AJ Brown, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. He had had four <laughs> targets on Sunday, had one reception. Like it's and that's been a consistent theme for him specifically the last few weeks, but other players and other other skill guys as well. But I mean that's where, you know, again, I'm not trying to to pub my my stuff every chance I get, but it's just one of those things like Everything that a player can can do as a as a as an athlete has to be basically you know any exercise, any sport really. You have to go over the fundamentals of, the, of that sport, tackling of obviously you know for a defensive you know since we're talking about the biggest issue being the defense of just bringing your hips like we talked about Kevin Byard last week bringing your you know chugging your legs when that whenever with these tackles but it's those little things that are red flags of we're just missing the fundamentals and again I don't think it's a throwing under the underneath the bus officially but saying things of it's not a coaching problem it's an execution issue basically and that's you know my kind of nutshell version but it, it I don't know if it's a hundred percent on one versus the other, but if I'm pointing at one to say you have to step up and be better, it's the coaching staff. Well, I will say this is that everybody is saying, well, fix your players, go out and get somebody. You've already said there's really nobody out there to get. And mm -hmm. obviously it would seem that we need a defensive coordinator, somebody who is dedicated to that. Uh, I'm reminded of a saying my granddad always used to say, he's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. You spread yourself too thin. You need to focus. And we need to get somebody with a defensive mind that focuses on that. But I can't find where it's ever been done where you bring in a defensive coordinator during the season. And it sure is starting to feel like we've got what we've got this year, for better, for worse. One thing I did want to talk about and get you guys' thoughts on, we talked about it all offseason. We broke it down, every decision and every signing and everything that happened this offseason. John Robinson had a very long list of things to do, signing Tannehill, Henry, bringing in guys like Jadeveon Clowney, Vic Beasley, the draft class. But my question for you guys is, could the, could this 2020 offseason have gone any worse? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Based on, I mean, throwing money at Vic Beasley, throwing money at Jadavian Clowney. Now, granted, Clowney is, is a disruptor and is doing things that are not going to show up on a stat sheet. But I think we could all agree that he's not doing what we thought we would do for that amount of money we signed him for. Agreed. And, and those things you see out there, not just – now, granted, credit where credit's due. He admitted he made a mistake. He cut Beasley. He's made changes. We made the trade at the deadline for King. Those are things that are going to improve the situation, but that doesn't that doesn't fix. Like you said, that doesn't fix anything uh, with the amount of money we've tied up there. And I know that we've been really hard on Bayard, and Bayard historically has been a really good player. But you wonder just how how deep that bad offseason goes. You draft Isaiah Wilson, who has not sniffed the field yet, and then you have an injury to Lawan, and then you have in, a very thin pool of people to pick from at offensive line. And you're having to put people out there that we never, ever, ever, ever want to see out there on the <laughs> offensive line. Ooh. And 
<laughs> and so that bleeds over from a decision made by the front office. You've got Kevin Byard, who is having to provide extra help for corners he doesn't necessarily trust. Now, thank God, Jonathan Joseph is gone. Um, but you just wonder, Kevin Byard is trying to do too much. Um, he's making, now I'm not going to dispute, his technique has been awful at times. And there have been mistakes that even those of us who have never played a down in our life could point out. But he's he's always looking in the backfield, trying to make the big play, and he's not fielding his own position, and he's having to divide his attention to these other positions. And I just wonder how much, how much damage was done by the offseason. Yeah, to even go back after the draft like as soon as the draft was over we all kind of felt pretty good about it and then the season happens and you're like oh my goodness uh obviously we're wilson's been a disaster so far as far as the media as far as from the public eye it looks bad mm-hmm. maybe maybe there's a redemption story in there somewhere um yeah I, beasley was just an absolute disaster i feel like we we felt so confident. Like how many times we talk about a trade just sitting there being like, Oh my gosh, with this defensive line, Oh man, it's going to be just wreaking havoc all the time, all the freaking time. And it just never happened. And then we were hopeful that Darrington Evans was going to be like this. I don't know. The second tier, like second, second running back that was going to do it all. Like those, rookie running backs we've had for the last four years that he could possibly be the the guy that comes out of this class being a stud. It's like, Oh yeah, here we go. We got one of those rookie running backs, you know, but nothing seemed to work out. Nothing. Yeah. And we got nothing that just replaces Lawan either. And, and I know that's tough to come by. Don't get me wrong. Taylor Lawan's a stud, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm just, I mean, totally agreeing for the reality of what we're looking at. I've got the, the draft class pulled up, and obviously we know Isaiah Wilson, Christian Fulton, Darrington Evans, Laurel Murchison, Cole McDonald, and Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson on, on the list right now as, a, as the final player has, I, I would say that a lot of folks believe he's been the best player of this draft class. Good gosh. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it, it's, <laughs> And here's the thing, man. I, I'm all about these guys, and I think I, I, I was thinking the other day just about, you know, people always talk about PFF grades and Madden ratings and how good is a player. How do you actually measure how good a player is? And it, to be honest, I've come to the point where it's like it just comes down to the opportunities, and Chris Jackson has made the most of his opportunities. But the reason I bring up the draft class is because Cole McDonald, who, again, was probably on par with Vic Beasley as far as disaster level, um, just a waste of a pick. And here we are now having just lost to a team that has Rodrigo Blankenship that I believe we can probably dig into this here in a second and just really double check it. But I believe he was available at at least 224, um, which is the Cole McDonald pick. But I'm just thinking everybody was screaming, get a kicker after 2019 season where we had hell. I mean, Greg Joseph, obviously, um, I'm trying to think of, I want to say Santiago, but I know it's not right. Santos. Yeah, Santos, yeah. Parky, yeah. suck up. Yeah. So, and, Gosh, and here they are. I, yeah. I think two of those three guys right now are on rosters and, and kicking pretty, pretty well. But it's just yeah. something that, I mean, to break it down piece by piece, that's, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm off the, you know, I trust in J-Rob boat, but it's one of those things I'm like, bro, that's why. Th- the moves, you know, 12 moves in a matter of a week or whatnot or whatever it was before, um, I think it was before the Bengals game, 
it's those little things that obviously you want to see and this team responds to what we all are screaming. But today, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this, of reacting to the Titans announcing that they have cut punter, who, again, Brett Kern's on, on IR right now as far as I, I know. Um, but Ryan Allen getting cut today after having an average of 50.5 yards against the Bears, having a long of 65 and losing the job to uh, Trevor Daniel, who had a seventeen, a seventeen-yard punt, yeah, and then obviously the block as well, which I'm not going to put that on him as a fault, but injury, uh, you know, insult to injury. But what what you guys? What was y'all's initial thought? And 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 uh, when when you saw the announcement, uh, is this a family-friendly show? <laughs> Uh, for, the, for the most part, we're not going to use rated R terms, but we okay. use PG PG thirteen. I literally could not believe when I was hearing. I thought I had misread the tweet. Now you talk about a really bad off season. We we talk about a kicking game that last year was historically bad. We had a mm. field goal success rate of forty four percent, which is tenth worst since the AFL NFL merger, and we improve it. By going with Goskowski, who has improved that number to 60% on the year with eight misses and two point-afters misses. Um, you know, there are only two kickers worse in the entire league this year, and the two of them are Kai Forbath and John Brown, who are one for two. That's the only way you can be worse than what our kicking game is now, and that's the way we address it. And then on the other special team side, cutting the, the wrong punter in most of our eyes, I just... I don't know how you justify it. I'm, I can't. Wow. I what, if, what, what if the front office though is like, I I think we fought the wrong guy's name, and they, and they legitimately fired the wrong guy. Yeah, it's kind of what it feels like, right? Are we sure we don't want to double check these signatures here, guys? Because you might have the wrong dude. That's just kind of I don't know. That's just oh. I wouldn't be shocked by that kind of move right now. Does Trevor Daniels like have something like you know he's. He's a former VFL, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it is, does he have some sort of blackmail? On yeah. he has to. <laughs> well, how 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 did you keep that job after last week? But here's here's the biggest concern to me right now, and and I think I think this plays in a lot of coaching, you know, decisions and and reputations, and even the longevity of a coach's you know stint with whatever team. It's just their their pride, and I, I'm legitimately concerned that not that you know looking too much into the Ryan Allen cut of you know is, is John Robinson so enthralled by Trevor Daniels you know local story you know he wants to make it work that he's just going to stu- be stubborn. And same with Mike Rabel. It's like again we all think he's spread too thin, but is his pride going to keep him from you know? saying dude you you gotta be a head coach you're not that great of a dc like we you know i say that i think i say that in a way that obviously he has um a great defensive mind but it's evident that variable's strong suit is being able to go one-on-one with guys you know elevate their play taking guys like jay on jay on brown um other player daquan jones daquan's having a fantastic you know last few games by the way but all that mm-hmm. to say, like, just yep. Vrabel, go back to being Vrabel and stop trying to do too much. Eat a Snickers, Vrabes. Eat a Snickers. The spreading it too thin is definitely what's going on with him right now. And I know Bowen's been doing his thing, trying to be a play car, but that, that's just not him. That, it's mm-hmm. not working. I I don't know if it's too much to bring in somebody. I know we you 
touched on Wade Phillips and all that stuff today, but mm-hmm. I get it. It's not the same scheme. He's totally different, but man, you got to have somebody. You got to have something different. Something's got to change. Now you're good. It's like, what else can they do? You know, that, yeah. that's where I'm like, guys, rock on a hard place. I mean, we are. <laughs> and the scary thing is, we've all talked about it. And, you know, being ninth in the AFC right now. And I mean, these teams, teams like Miami, like Las Vegas that we did not see. I, I will say for the record, though, I think Chase is my witness here. I, I talked pretty highly of the Dolphins through the offseason. And I've, obviously, once they drafted two, it's like the cherry on top. But I'm impressed by a lot of these teams that we thought, even the Bears, or not Bears, excuse me, even the Browns, um, just they're they're able to do their thing, you know, and mm-hmm. and the Titans, the mm-hmm. Titans can't seem to put their you know right foot in front of the left foot to to get it going because like like Blake said at the opening like that that last the last two quarters of that Colts game man we knew it was over we knew how it was going to go and they kept clicking they kept going and again we all scoff at the idea of Phil Rivers he did not throw the interception uh, and looked a hell of a lot better than Ryan Tannehill, our guy that we were just talking about being MVP a couple weeks ago. So a little raw here, but you know how it is. I mean, I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm not very optimistic. I'm not trying to be a bummer or a Debbie Downer, but that's just, that's where I'm at. But Blake, I mean, how, how do you feel about all this? I mean, I don't know where to go from here because We've all been here before as Titans fans. We've all had those high expectations. We've all had that little bit of success, and we've had that opportunity to show that we're for real. And like I said, it always seems to be the Colts game where it always starts to go south. And I hope more than anything that this team proves me wrong. But when you've got performance issues on offense, when you have a defense that is giving that is giving up 66 out of 124 on third down, they're allowing a 53% conversion rate on defense which is mm-hmm. historically bad and mm-hmm. you've got special teams where a punter can have a bad week of practice and lose his starting job but you've got a kicker who can miss 10 kicks on the year and still be out there i just there's it's really hard to stay encouraged when it goes from the top leadership all the way down to the little things on the field mm-hmm. I, I, I know too like obviously everybody wants to point to 2020 being a crazy year and I don't know. We're all playing with the same shuffle deck, but something that I, I, one last Colts game, I think I wanted to throw in there is I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett and, and you mentioning, I think the last time the Titans handily beat the Colts was when they were playing Thursday night, Mario to hit uh, Taewon Taylor uh, along the right hand side of the field. But Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback because I think luck was injured. I guess it was even, this was before luck actually retired. But when Jacoby Brissett in 2020 comes onto the field to have one carry and two yards and he gets a touchdown and we can't stop him, that's that's very concerning because we know exactly what he's doing whenever he's coming on the, on the field. Yeah, And we just – I mean, I'm not even going to try and point out and say, well, you know, Jeff Simmons didn't do this or Daquan. It's just like, again, what is being called that we can't stop a Jacoby Brissett QB sneak? All right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll take a quick word from our sponsor. Support for Tighten Up Talking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision, 
engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Now, go trim that junk of yours. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TUT20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code TUT20. All right, folks, welcome back in. Chase Green and Blake Shoemaker here to discussing everything going wrong with the Tennessee Titans. But, guys, I want to open up our second half of our episode with this question. Um, I want to get to some NFL topics like we mentioned, but also previewing the, the, the Ravens. But let's put it flat on the table, and we'll go around and share our ideas and thoughts. But can the Tennessee Titans – obviously, they can make the playoffs. Do you believe the Tennessee Titans will make the playoffs this, this season? Mm. If I, I mean, I think they make the playoffs, and I'm not super confident in that. But I do see a path because of the last half of the season. I think there's a chance they can beat the Ravens this weekend. I think also a lot has to do with the other teams. You know, if you beat the Ravens, that's somebody else you knock out. I think. The Dolphins are playing great, but they're going to knock out either the Bills there because that division's getting a little bit tougher. Uh, with I, th- I think the Patriots are finding their way and their identity, which is going to be slow and boring, but running the off like just just run, run, run. Mm-hmm. But they're going to figure some stuff out. So hopefully that AFC East beats the crap out of each other. Um, you beat the Browns, you take out somebody. So I think there's a way you sneak in there, but there's this next four against all AFC opponents because it's so crowded right there in that little jumble of three through six or three through eight or seven, whatever it mm-hmm. is now. Um, they have to figure out a way to win. Have to go three and one in these next four. Mm-hmm. You got to do that, and hopefully one of those is the Colts. Um. And you, you got to take advantage of that, man. It really has to be the Colts and Jags. Um, and then you can, I guess you can kind of afford to lose a, a Browns or a Ravens, but you really need to beat probably the Browns, I guess more so. Um, but yeah, you got to eliminate some people and you got to go three and at least three and one in the next four to get some headway in that AFC East, because that's going to be the number one tiebreaker amongst all these teams is your AFC record. So, Hopefully, hopefully this Titans team can carry through, but it's going to be tough, man. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we all know the freaking Texans are going to play us tough. The Jags are going to play us tough. Uh, you you really think this Titans team probably can beat the Lions, but they match up offensively pretty well because they've got some good receivers, especially if Galladay comes back. So that could be trouble. But, you know, and at Lambeau, just past Christmas, it's going to be cold as a witch's titty up there, man. Ugh. That's not going to be a fun one, man. So I don't know. I, I I think they make the playoffs, but these next four games are going to be crucial. Yeah, it, it's coming down to the point where it's I – mean, I, I don't know if the window's already closed because of how, how important that Colts game was, but that's – 
I'm, I'm looking at some other schedules here, but Chase, I want to get, or excuse me, Blake, I want to get your thoughts on the Titans' possibilities, um, and then I'll give my my uh, rundown here. Well, first off, how crazy is it that we're having this conversation after a five and zero start? I think only <laughs> so we Titans. can do this, right? So Titans. So with the team I have seen over the past three weeks, if this team continues to play like we have seen them play, I don't think there's a shot. And I hate, I hate to say that, but if there's not a wake up moment or an aha moment or changes that are made, I don't see it now. Granted, if you would have asked us the same question at the same time last year, we would probably be reacting the same way, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It is possible to turn it around. Uh, Like Chase said, there are going to be a lot of AFC teams beating up on each other. We have games on the schedule that on paper we absolutely should win if we play to our ability. And I know not a lot of people are talking about this, but I am not 100% sold on the Cleveland Browns just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they've had some big wins, but you look at this past week to edge out Houston 10-7, to mm-hmm. not super impressive, and you're looking at a team that has a worse point differential than the Chargers. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the schedule kind of plays into this, and I have a feeling that as they get into the tougher part of their schedule down the stretch that maybe they may be the team to stumble, uh, if any. Uh, I think that that would be the biggest possibility of a team that we were to jump. But all that to say that we absolutely have to take care of business and win the games we're supposed to win against the Jags, against the Texans, against the Lions, uh, and then maybe pull off one of these upsets to actually put it over the top. And I know that we all make the nine and seven jokes, but you know I don't know that nine and seven is going to be enough to get in this year, even with the expanded so. field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the schedules pulled up here because I'm I'm looking at the conference standing for the AFC right now. Obviously, Steelers are in first at nine and zero, Chiefs, Bills, Colts. So I'm going to treat those if the playoffs start today. Like who has to fall off? And I'm looking at uh, Blake. You mentioned the Browns' schedule. They do have a very tough. Uh, got the Eagles this week. Obviously, nothing crazy. Got to play the Titans in two weeks uh, or three weeks. Excuse me. And then the Ravens play the Giants, Jets, and then close out with the Steelers. I just think with the Ravens and, and the Steelers being so competitive in that decision, they get pushed out just by, you know, taking those losses. But also the Dolphins, um, Broncos this week, Jets, Bengals, they got to close it out with, good Lord, Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills. Wow. So that's that's one to watch. Again, you mentioned, Chase, the Patriots might be turning it on. If, if, if say, they do get, you know, they get to the point where they can – start getting some wins. That's another team we might have to watch. I'm looking at the Ravens. Wow. Okay. Not, not, I mean, not awful Titans, Steelers, back to back Cowboys, eh, Browns. Okay. And then Jags giants. And then the, if the Bengals, I mean, if the Bengals want to break some hearts, it's going to happen on <laughs> on January 3rd, man. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. <clears throat> I'm just thinking, though, Raiders, I'm the closest thing out here. They got Chiefs, Falcons, Jets, Colts. If the char- if the right Chargers team shows up, that might be you know one to watch. Uh, that's on primetime. I believe it's on the uh, – it's an 820 game on a Sunday probably. Uh, but then they got to close out Dolphins and Broncos. So a lot a lot of football to be played. I'm thinking to give my concrete answer, I think this team can make the playoffs. It's got to – they got to have – you remember how the Bills made the playoffs a couple years back where they just squeezed in at like 445 or whatever <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday. You know, they just – everything fell in their direction. And if, if – I don't know if we're going to get to that point, but I think the Titans are going to have to, like you all mentioned, and just looking at their schedule right now, um, you guys mentioned the – 
Uh, let me get it pulled up here. Sorry. Make sure I'm saying this thing correctly. Um, but obviously Ravens, Colts, Browns, if we can beat the Jaguars, if we can beat the Lions to give us enough momentum to jump the Packers and say we close it out with four straight, I think that's more doable than us coming away with oh man. If we can come away with a two and two, say we lose to the Ravens this weekend, then we beat the Colts and Browns back to back, and then we just win straight out, that would be one way. I think if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to the Titans versus some of these other teams, just based on strength of schedule alone but um but yeah uh any last thoughts with that man it's man this is all those schedulers when like when you're talking about it this is just listening just in the last few minutes everybody sounds pretty close like you got some bad teams you got some Mm -hmm. good teams but everybody's playing division opponents so this is going to be an awesome last couple weeks of football or not last couple weeks last half of the season whatever you want to call it i mean these afc is close like just going in here and just i was looking at yahoo's um breakdown of like who's got whatever you know ranking as far as two game bleed in the fc or whatever tiebreakers you own man there's from three down to nine everybody's only got three losses that's crazy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you got a sneaking up patriots team that you know when you're playing the jets and you know if you beat the the dolphins and you beat so-and-so you know, there's, they've got an opportunity too. It's a weird opportunity, but long shot, still Bill Belichick. So I don't know, man. There's just a lot to to prove for these these Titans. They got a – you probably only can only afford two losses the rest of the stretch. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to go five and two down the stretch, and it's going to be tough. But Tall task. Do think they can do it. Do think they can do it. All right, folks, let's go into a section that we're going to – or a segment, I should say, that we're going to try out. Uh, it's called What's Grinding Your Gears? And I had, you know, obviously as our weeks go on as Titans fan, for for those that are involved uh, with the notorious or in- infamous, infamously notorious Titans Twitter, we see a lot of good things and a lot of bad things, but something really grinded my gears this week. I'll start us off, guys, and you'll be thinking of yours and we'll share it. But I I found myself where my, gra- my gears were getting really ground. <laughs> By the idea that this is the same old Titans team. And this was probably right in the thick of probably Friday, Saturday, where these, you know, this this Thursday night loss really was just setting in. People commenting on, you know, chat 10 sports stuff or whatever tweets we're all putting out individually. We're all kind of seeing things, but people just saying this is the same old Titans team. And I started out to think that really grinds my gears because this ain't the same old Titans team. This is a team that is very much far from the same old Titans. Like there were weeks on end when <laughs> my wife and I were first married that I would sit on Sundays and just be in that mood because you just got blown out so badly. And she would watch week after week. And some weeks we had a couple wins. I remember like Lawan always talks about those two and three, three win years. We all lived through that, and it's like I think the Titans have come a long way, and we're all just sitting here in the thick of our our pouty puddle after a hard. We knew this Colts team as it always is, like Blake said at the beginning of the podcast. You never, and there's no reason Titans fans should be scoffing at the idea of Phil Rivers as the Colts. You know this team's a really good team, and I'm hoping in a couple of weeks they can get it back. But yeah, that's 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 what's been grinding my gears. This ain't the same old Titans team. I think mine has to do with Arthur Smith more than anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that Arthur Smith is a, 
I mean, I'm not discounting the guy. He's been great for the offense. He's been a good, stable figure that we've been able to build the offense around. But there are some times that we just sit there and watch the game, and it'll just be a handful of plays a game. It won't be all the time where you're just sitting there thinking, what? Where did that come from? It's like, did they did they run a poll on the screen in the stadium, pick the play that's going to be run? <laughs> I, I don't fully – the toss play. Don't get mm-hmm. me started on the toss play to Derrick Henry that practically never works. I think the latest numbers I saw was 19 attempts for a total of 38 yards, and two of those plays have been 16 yards and 20 yards. So yet we continue to run the toss play. Um passing plays and play action on early downs when it really doesn't call for it. I mean, you're putting yourself in an obvious second down run situation and then everybody knows to key in on the middle because for some reason we love to run Derrick Henry up the middle way too much instead of trying Mm -hmm. to get him to the edge. Um, And I think the thing that gets me more than anything is after those first and second down play calls, what happens on third down? You've got Derrick Henry, your best player, arguably, standing on the sideline. And play calling that ends up with your running back, your workhorse, who gets better as the game goes on, wearing down opposing defenses. When you have Derrick Henry standing on the sideline third down most of the time, there's something that's got to change. And I feel like don't get cute with the play calling. It's not rocket science. If they can't mm-hmm. stop the run, don't go away from the run. Don't. And there are times where it works. We saw that amazing goal line call against the Colts, where it was that immediate end around and nobody saw it coming. He went untouched into the end zone. That's great. That's great to mix that in. But it's situational. You can't get cute in the middle of the field, put yourself behind the sticks, and then end up having to punt the ball right back to a team that punted a grand total of one time last week. Mm. Come on, man. So Uh, that's what's got me. I I want to – let me touch on your point. I'm actually not negating your point at all. It's just even crazier the fact. So – with these tosses, I was thinking about this, like, and I watched a little bit and listened to some other guys talk about this. On these pitches, the worst part is these defenses are blitzing us up the middle because of so many runs up the middle with Derek. And we're still tossing it out there while they're middle blitzing us and still not making anything happen. That's the crazy part is like, we're, nothing's even working when you're actually doing probably the right thing and it still sucks. Like mm-hmm. you're doing the right thing. They'll blitz you up the A gap and you still make these tosses and they still don't work. Like I'm so amazed at like nothing's working. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Especially on those plays when I, I do think Derek's fast. He's not super elite quickness, but he's still fast enough to get outside. And, you know, we're just missing assignments or somebody's not running the correct way. And it's just like, what? What? And we're just, mm-hmm. it's just so far out there. Yeah. So. Let, I, I'm going to maybe introduce a new part of this segment. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I want to kind of play the, the devil's advocate where um, I think a big part of the offensive woes, not a, you know, overarching issue or the issue per se, but we, we, we made reference to Darrington Evans, who we, we expected, and I'm still hoping that he can make some type of second half of the season bounce back to be, you know, the, the bright shining spot of this 20, 2020 uh, draft class. But um, we fully expect him to be, you know, what, what Dion Lewis was supposed to be as well. He's built the same, obviously. Um, man, 
Dion Lewis. That seems like years oh. ago that we had Dion uh. Lewis out here. Um, but all that to say, I think if there, if if in the running game, I think if there was a contrast, and even you know Deontay Foreman is very similar. He even looks like Derrick Henry at times. He's a bigger back, kind of runs more upright like Derrick does. But Darrington Evans is a contrast. I think that could be could be brought in maybe this week, hopefully. That obviously those screen plays, the tosses where he's able to get outside aren't going to Henry, and we're working with shorter yard situation on thirds down, so that Henry's not off the field and it's not an obvious passing down. You know, that's where I just again the the, the whole cute conversation as far as Arthur Smith's been very active since Thursday, and I, you know I, I shared my thoughts. I think both you guys saw it, and I, I agree completely with, with with what is Blake is saying. The toss, the screens, the whole nine yards, like when there's a shift in this def- the defenses are able to shut down the, the the offensive rushing attack and Tannehill just cannot overcome i mean if he puts it on him like we mentioned there's drop balls but if you know if he doesn't have the time he's looked skittish at times too and there's been times where he's held the ball too long so all that to say that since we're having a kind of a Debbie Downer conversation and getting real with it that's the one area where i think offensively that they can tweak something um to where your ground your gears aren't gonna aren't gonna be ground next week <laughs> yeah well the good news is is that darrington evans is now on the designated to return list which means we can yeah. all sit here every week and know he's probably still not playing <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a perfect segue into my ground my gears today i'm gonna say a big hard on the fu to 2020 and what it's done for injuries mm-hmm. there are so many like season ending or just very expansive injuries this year. Like you take, and I've taken away some superstars, Dak, now Breeze, Whitworth this weekend, like some legends mm-hmm. go down. And if you got fantasy guys, whoa, brutal. Say, I mean, obviously you've had Saquon, Christian McCaffrey went down for a long period of time. He's still iffy. Lawan for us, Darrington Evans. It's been brutal, and I just want to say a hard F you, and it just continues to get worse. There's nothing, and the worst part is, and I think what grinds my gears is there's nothing we can do about it. Everybody dealt the same hand. There's only so much you could do during the offseason to prepare and get your body ready. But, man, it's just, like, been so frustrating, and Bree's going out, and now I've got to watch Mr. 30 and 30, Jameis Winston, <laughs> go out there and throw a ton of picks. I mean, if you're a Saints fan, it's going to be electric because you don't know what you're getting. You might get three, 330 yards, three picks that are just atrocious timing, but you also might get four touchdowns. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. shout out to that. Op. That's going to be a fun team to watch uh, the rest of the way down. Sorry, Alvin Kamara, your MVP hopes might go down the drain. Um, but yeah, just a big F you to all these injuries in 2020 been brutal to watch i mean started out week one with bosa and a couple other cats but oh screw this man that was that was something too i mean you said everybody's kind of had the same hand to deal with but i think i think the 49ers have had it so bad with injuries and that's where i mean obviously being facetious with you there but it's just something like when nick mullins is starting and latavius murray i mean even the guys i mean i've been dying to see um Going to completely draw a blank. Hurd, Jalen Hurd, uh, yeah. receiver for the 49ers. I've been dying to see him play for for a long time, and yeah. he's just been injured the last couple seasons. And um, so, all that to say, yeah, we'll we'll 
close out the grinding my gear segment. But yeah, just in general, this last weekend, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts from we saw a lot of good football, you know, some some funnier instances, uh, and especially if you're a gambler or now the newly sports betting, uh, obviously situation being legal in Tennessee and then Nick Chubbs I was watching Nick Chubbs run at, at the one yard line and basically kept the I think the Browns from covering or what <laughs> but like <laughs> just one of those things but obviously I know he's been the talk of the town huge basically hail mary to to nuke DeAndre Hopkins man nuke had 127 yards a touchdown and seven receptions but Kyler Murray I want to get y'all's thoughts on the Cardinals do you think the Cardinals are real or fake 100% real. Kyler's on a different level, man. He's uh, he's really turned it around the last six games. The guy's got like a 142, something crazy QBR right now. He's 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 lights out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's getting way better on his deep ball passing, which was super inaccurate. I think he was like in 25% range early on the season. He was still getting rushing touchdowns, but uh, even like for – a fun fantasy sake. Like he would be, I think he would be the third best running back. If you took away all of his passing stats, like he's just a monster. He's so versatile. They're so good on that. They're so good on offense. That defense is good. Not great, but Hopkins is elite. Fitzgerald's actually coming along to make some catches. Um, they're, they're so good, man. They're so mm-hmm. good. They're running backs. I, I'm a fan of chase Edmonds and I'm also, I'm also a fan of, Kenyon Drake, I think both of them are good for that offense. They're they're up there, man. And Kyler might have might have moved in, especially with how bad Russ played this weekend. Might have moved in the MVP leaderboard, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think they're so good. They're so good, man. And they have potential to get better, and they're all, Kyler actually is getting better. Blake, well, let me ask you this, Blake. I think I think Chase summarized the the Cardinals. Love. Let me ask you this about the Las Vegas Raiders because John Gruden, big sexy name. Obviously, we wanted him on the hill with the Vols for years. Yes, didn't go that way. But six and three, beating the Saints week two, Chiefs, uh, Browns, Chargers. I think Chargers obviously bad record, but pretty sound team at times. Mm-hmm. Losing to the Bills, uh, also lost to the Buccaneers. But Blake. Are the are the Raiders real or fake? Do you think? You know, earlier this year I would have said not a chance, but what I've seen here lately has been really impressive. Which, by the way, that Chargers game—that <laughs> mm-hmm. you talk about a finish to a game, holy cow! But mm-hmm. you know, making some—I mean, any team that can go out and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, mind you, yeah. I mean, to make a statement and to win that game by eight points was really got my attention and of course they lost to the bills but they played them within a touchdown um i don't think it's the same raiders team we've used to see we're used to seeing these past few years Uh, i definitely think they're on the upswing and moving in the right direction whether they're there yet for real or not i think it remains to be seen but if i had to pick i would say they seem legit Derek carr's been really impressive to me i just wanted to point that one thing out because he's Mm. I think he was a guy that's been getting a lot of flag for for I think good reason. He's not played the best, but twenty twenty for maybe it's the you know the continuity word that we love around ten you know Nashville and around Tennessee is finally Derek Carr has an offensive guru at the helm. He's been there. He's been with them consistently, sitting with sixteen touchdowns, two picks, uh, one hundred and seven you know rating. That's that's the one thing, especially with Josh Jacobs, as he's averaging three point eight yards, seven hundred seven hundred yards in the season on 182 attempts, eight touchdowns, 
Uh, obviously, Darren Waller, uh, well-known guy, Henry, or excuse me, Hunter Renfro, and even Nelson Aguilar. I think he's been more reliable than in years past. Um, that's a team in the AFC. If we're looking at these teams that could could potentially fall in or fall out that they, they do concern me more than others but my question for you guys as we're looking towards the playoffs the Seahawks defense going to make them as a contender for the Super Bowl are they real or are they fake they're atrocious in their passing defense I, I I don't know how you rebound from that and I feel like you're really you're also seeing in the last two weeks from Russ like he's really pressing he's trying to make up for some defensive woes and last week looked bad. And Pete Carroll even talked about it a little bit this week was, you know, Russ is, you know, he's working his ass off to really get after these, you know, to make up for these mistakes. And I think that was a little bit of a double entendre as far as making up for his mistakes and also making up for the defensive mistakes. Because, you know, he's got to put up points. He's got to be perfect. Um, and he is. He's, he's honestly, Russ, Russ and Patrick – and I'm, I'm even going to throw Kyler up there. They're on like, they're on a different stratosphere right now. Those guys are mm-hmm. playing elite football. And hey, well, you know, also, I guess we'll say Rogers too, but those, those four guys are head and shoulders top four, probably to me and Russ and Patrick are probably the top two for sure. Mm-hmm. So these guys, they have, they have a lot on their shoulders. I just don't know if he's gonna be able to make up for it. I know the NFC is not quite what the AFC is as far as uh, week in, week out, but there's also some really good football teams in NFC too. So I don't know, man. I just don't know if he's going to be – I don't know if that defense is able to make up a little bit of ground, but mm-hmm. that's – it would be one of those situations where if he won with that defense, man, that'd be a historic run for us. For real, I just don't know if real. they can do it. What do you think, Blake? Well, I will say this. I'm the Seahawks are finding themselves in a spot that they have not found themselves in quite some time. So, you look at the NFC West standings right now. You've got a three-way tie for the lead at 6 and 3 with the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are third because of being 1 and 2 in the division. But you look at historically that has been a weak division. But you look at the you look at the statistics here. The Seahawks really haven't won that division since 2016. I mean, a lot of people don't recognize that. They're always in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a lot of success winning that division. Your rival head coaches at the time they did win it, you had Bruce Arians, you had Jeff Fisher, who got fired mid-season, and Chip Kelly, who was fired at the end of the season. (laughs) The current coaches he's facing are Kyle Shanahan, Cliff Kingsbury, and Sean McVay. So I know that we're kind of taking it as a foregranted that they make the playoffs, but... I'm not really sure at this point. This defense is really, really bad. It's not the legion of boom that we're used to seeing. They're having as much of an identity crisis in their defensive unit as we're having on our own. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, I really don't see them going anywhere in the playoffs if they even make it to the playoffs. Am I crazy for saying that? I, I, I don't think so. I think right now I'm looking at the playoff picture for the NFC and the Seahawks sit at the number seven spot, but – I mean, the the Bears are right behind them. The Vikings are right behind them. And just looking at their – let's see, the Vikings schedule. Let me get that pulled up. So, Bears have to close out Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings. And they have to play the Packers again. And then I think the Vikings probably have something similar where they're going to play the Packers. Let's see here. 
Cowboys, Panthers, Jags. They got the Bucks. They have to close it out with the Bears, Saints, and the Lions. So those are some teams, depending on on how their schedules fall. And again, if that defense for the the, the Seahawks, they got to play Kyler this week. The Eagles, who have been known to score some points, um, they close it out second to last week in Week 16 against the Rams. So again, those are. I don't think it's crazy to think they might not make the playoffs, but I agree with both of you guys and, and Chase included. Your point being, if they make the playoffs, they're not going to do anything, um, especially yeah. if they get lined up if they're a lower seed against the Packers or you know, assuming Breeze is back to whatever you know close he can get to 100 percent um but even the cardinals like this week is going to be a massive tell for seahawks fans because yep. if they have not hit the red button as far as the panic button like we have not yet officially i don't believe i think this might be the weekend because i mean in their division right now if we're looking at their standings i mean they have they have Let's see, Los Angeles Rams and Arizona, they're all sitting at six and three. I'm just glad the Titans don't have a, a playoff or a divisional situation where you have more than one six oh, and three man. or more than mm-hmm. more than two six and three teams. Um, so all that to say, I, I, the Seahawks always intrigue me for the points you made, Blake. Great offense. They don't have the defense. But what a competitive division. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I mean, the fact that Russ can still do it, like – that's I don't know. Let me ask you guys this because this kind of picks the question. We've seen the Titans have really good defensive teams and kind of sloppy and poor offensive teams, and recently we've had the opposite. Do you know which one you would prefer if you had a better defensive team or a better offensive team while the opposite side of the ball is weaker? I'm going to say offense. Uh, You're saying you, that, you want a better offense. I want a better offense. Okay. The, the, the Seahawks kind of might be my like template template to be like okay that's who's they have a, an atrocious defense they're they're the by far the worst passing defense and there there is a dallas cowboys team in the nfl um but when you have a fantastic offense you've got two of the top i don't know 10 12 wide receivers in the league right now mm-hmm. and Lockett, metcalf and you know russ can put one of us three out there and give us 15 catches a year so i don't know man i they're atrocious on defense, but they're still making it work, and they're still in the playoff hunt, even though they're in probably the toughest division in NFL. I think the I think the opposite example might be the Bears. Like their their offense has been putrid, but Khalil Mack. I mean, I think their defense is. I mean, I think the Titans can can vouch for this. I mean, their defense was the only reason we, you know, didn't score more. Uh, obviously, but their offense is. The the, the 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 further away from that game we get, the more I realize, yeah, we we kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true, man. Anyways, Blake, what do you think, man? Are are are, are you thinking? Um, let me recall the question I just had here. Oh, sorry. Would you rather have a strong offensive team, weak defensive team, or vice versa? I think the game has changed. We've gone from an era where defense wins championships to where that's not the case anymore. And I think you only have to look as far as last year. The Chiefs' defense. Not great, but they had the offense where it just did not matter. If you put up enough points, it doesn't matter what the other team does. You have enough offensive weapons out there to crank out the points. The rest will take care of itself. So give me offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. I I think, obviously, if you have the pieces in place and – 
man, it's a tough choice because the two the two examples you guys are using are Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yeah, like, no, that's if, the only thing. It's like if yeah. you can have that piece. I'm what I mean, that's kind of the opposite of the spectrum too. Like, would you rather have a Khalil Mack or an Aaron Donald that you can hang your hat on defensively? Because I mean, the Steelers franchise, I think is one to point to. I think Ben Bobic of WRCB here in Chattanooga made a great point. Like historically, and we all know this, the Steelers are just, just reputation has been built for decades on good defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And been you know big Ben to be the contrast. Obviously, that's the you know, right now that's the team that you want to chase after. They're undefeated, and I think they're still the best team in the league. But that's a really tough question, and at least in my mind. So I appreciate you guys giving me your thoughts. But I, mm-hmm. anyways, let's close her out, boys. Um, any last thoughts? No, man. Just uh, need, 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 need a big win this week. This is gonna this, this matters a lot. So absolute must absolute must win situation for the Titans this win. If not a win, a very close game, something to build on. Um, Mm -hmm. If you would have asked me before last night's game, if the Titans had a prayer against the Ravens, probably not. But watching a not so great New England team basically say, "Okay, we're going to clog the middle of the field and we're going to make you beat us on the sidelines and down the field. And actually making that work, I hope these coaches were paying attention. It can be done with with the personnel that we have. I hope they were paying attention because that's a, <laughs> that's one of those things where it's like, guys, are, are we all seeing the same thing here? So go do the same thing the Patriots just did. Um, as far as this weekend's game, man, again, I, I echo everything you guys have said thus far. Um, but again, I if it's going to happen and if it does go the Titans way, I don't think it's going to be a massive overhaul. I just think it's getting back to fundamentals and playing the game, you know, like, like mm-hmm. they're supposed to play it. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously if you're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, come out with us, the three of us on Sunday at Parkway Poorhouse, having a huge event sponsored by Montucky cold snacks, uh, come out. We have giveaways. We have all different types of Montucky swag that we're going to be giving out. Um, you can find all that information at chat10sports.com slash event. You can find everything also there from from our fan group, social media links, other podcast feeds in case you're a Braves, Predators, or Vols fan, uh, and much, much more. I'm Trey Wynn. You can find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. Blake, where can the folks find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at blake the rx guy and chase where can they find you sir mc green 423 baby all right well as always it's been good again thank you guys for listening if you're new to us make sure to subscribe to the podcast do us a five-star rating favor if you'd be so kind and also share the podcast if you're new to chat 10 sports find us everywhere you can find us fleeting on twitter Which I think is a ridiculous, a ridiculous copyright infringement from some other social media platform. But anyways, all that to say, appreciate you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And as always, tighten up, guys. Tighten up. Tighten up.